Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to come together and obey your word. You said forsake not the assembling of believers. So Lord, we're here today. We're here presenting our bodies as our reasonable sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We're here today in fellowship and communion, not just with one another, but first and foremost with you. So we ask you, Lord, to speak to us today through these scriptures, even through me, your hand servant, the speaker of the hour. Lord, I pray that you would get the glory out of all that is said and done here today. Lord, I pray that the hearts and the minds of the people here are good ground. We thank you for this church. We thank you for our pastor in his absence and for our founder in her absence. We pray, Father, that wherever they are, they're being blessed by the word as well. And we are together in this room in expectation of what you're going to speak to us, Lord. Fuel us, fill us, revive us, give us understanding. Lord, we thank you. And we praise you and we give you all the glory. And last but not least, Holy Spirit, you have free course and free reign. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Demonstrate your power. Move among us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we're just going to go ahead and get started. So, you know, so far we are into this series on Secrets of the Secret Place. And the interesting thing is, I don't think that PD intended for this to be a series. It just kind of developed like that week after week as he had more to say. And then he just kept having more to say. So today I am picking up the baton um, and hoping to reveal to you some secrets of the secret place. So just for a quick review, and you can answer loud and proud, godly proud that is. Okay, so who can briefly answer, what is the secret place? What is this all for? <laughs> Weeks into this series, someone, someone, just shout it out. Even anyone who hasn't been here, take a guess. What is the secret place? Amen, amen. Thank you. That, that's pretty accurate. The secret place is simply your relationship with God, your prayer life. That's all it is. You know, people try, thank you very much. People try to make it this mystical thing. That is some, you know, like uh, shrouded in clouds or, you know, in a prayer room or in a war room. And it could be that. We'll get to why it could be any of that for depending on the individual in a minute. But it is simply stated your relationship with God. It's your prayer life. That's the secret place. That's the secret. The main secret of the secret place it, is that it is your prayer life. It is not a physical place. It is not even a figurative place. It is just the secret of what happens between you and God when you commune with him, when you communicate with him, when you pray, and as you're walking out your day-to-day -day fellowship with him. So the prayer piece is essential and relevant because we've really been focusing on prayer and of course fasting this year as a church. So corporate prayer is a must for a healthy church organization and we know that, but prayer is also an essential part of the individual's, the individual Christian's life. Because how can we know God or commune with him if we don't pray individually? 
And prayer looks different for different people. Um, again, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, of course, like I'm not trying to give any weird, like prayer is prayer, but you'll see what I mean in a minute. But um, last week I was at Kingdom Insight Church with Pastor Evans Pierre and his lovely wife, Christina, and their beautiful church family. And guess what? They're going through a sermon series on prayer as well. And I know of at least two or three other churches that are also going through series on prayer. So this is something that I think the body is starting to feel, especially after the season we're coming out of with being on lockdown, this pandemic now turning into an endemic. So we know that we need to pray, right? So engagement with God is prayer. One thing that he said that stuck with me last week is this, that people are not engaging with God. People are engaging with so many other things, right? You know, I, so I'm in digital marketing for a living outside of, you know, ministry. And we're always trying to measure engagement, how people are interacting with information. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, and so when I hear engagement, I automatically default to that. But then I thought about that thing and I was like, man, what if we could take just a measurement in this room today? I'm not in anybody's business because it's your secret place and it's your business, right? But are we engaging with God? as individuals, you know, or are we just churchgoers? Are we really engaging with God and having a robust relationship with him in our personal lives? So let's talk about relationships. When we just think about relationships generally, you know, some that we're born into, those are our relatives, right? Being that we're in relationship with them genetically or by blood. Some of them you choose or agree to go into. But how do you really build relationships? How do you really get to know someone? How do you relate to other people? How, how is it that a relationship forms? Anybody? What can you do to form a bond or a relationship? Communication, very good. What else? Quality time, what else? You get to know them. You get, how do you get to know them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Common interest, hey, glory. Common interests. yeah. Book club. <laughs> so the thing about relationships is that at some point especially as we grow older as adults we begin to prioritize who gets more of our attention and our love and our focus right so those of us who are married you know when we start going down that path and we're courting and we know it's going to end up you know at the aisle in front of the preacher and all of that or at the courthouse everybody's story is different you know we begin reprioritizing other relationships maybe that were more important like you know, I mean, I'm a mama's girl, but, you know, since being married, I'm my husband's girl, you know, and I don't talk to my mom about as much or as often as I used to before I got married because I prioritize my husband. It's just the nature of things. There were some friends who were looking at me side-eyed because right after I got married, I went a little, you know, I went a little dark for a while. And I was like, look, I'm trying to wife. Chill and give me some space. I'll get back to you. You know I love you. And thankfully, I have great friends who we always pick right up where we leave off from every time. So thankfully, I don't have that stress in my life. But, you know, you reprioritize your relationships according to the one that you prioritize at the top. So now, still hearing from you, and this is still the intro, and we'll get into it in a moment, I promise. But tell me what happens ideally when you're in a relationship with God. Anybody? You speak to God about your troubles. You hear. You can hear God. What else happens in a, in a 
fruitful relationship with God. I shouldn't say fruitful. You know, a f- hmm? you grow spiritually. Amen. You grow because you know him and he knows you. You know each other. You spend time with him. You begin to know him intimately. There's a time when your walk transfers from just, I agree with this. I know this is right. I made a change in my heart. A miracle has happened and I'm just that baseline Christian. So oh, I'm reading my scriptures and I'm understanding more by and by, supernaturally and naturally. And then you get to this place where if you are able to connect and engage frequently enough, you start beginning to know him intimately. And he, it isn't just the idea of God. It's the person of God. It's the father God that you're engaging with. You prioritize your time and you order your day so that you can have this time with him to know him more and more. Once you get a taste, you don't want to go back to life without him. So when we talk about intimacy with God, how does one get intimate with God? What, what, how does one get intimate with God? Read his word. Okay. What else? Prayer. Fast. Woo! Yes. All of all correct. Very good. The fasting one made me very excited. So, but what, what happens when you get intimate with God? So, and don't answer that. That's more of a rhetorical question. Well, what happens, the answer, when you get intimate with God is your secret in your secret place. If you think about intimacy between married people, and don't think about it too hard if you're not married. That is for, that's their business, right? The, the word of God says that the marriage bed is undefiled. That's their, that's their secret place. It's the same with you and God. Not that people can't know about you loving God and having a relationship with him, but what happens in your secret place with God is your business. So I'm often troubled, and I try not to judge, but, you know, I'm not perfect, so I might be judging a little bit. When I see people on social media or publicly declaring things that happen with them in what could be classified as their private time with God, well, I feel honored that somebody would want to share something like that with me, but you don't need to share all of that because either it's not happening and you're just doing it for my benefit or it is happening, but you're missing out on what God is trying to connect with you on because you're so busy trying to impress everybody else with the news. And I say you that talking about anyone in this room. So, you know, I'm troubled by that to the point that I go on the far other side. Like, I'm so encouraged by many of you who post, you know, faith-based posts on social media. I'm just not there because I'm so protective of, like, am I a Christian for show or am I really a Christian? Am I really having these transforming moments with God or is it just more content to put in front of people to let them know how deep I am? That's just me. Because I'm, I'm too much and I have to calm myself down because what's happening is that I end up not sharing as much as I probably ought to. But I'm getting there. Y'all pray for me. But it's, it, there are some things that are secrets in the secret place. So today I'm not here to reveal your secrets. But I want you to think about some of the secret things that happen that we don't think about. For one, I hope that you leave here today with a good understanding of what the secret place is. And I think we've done that in the intro. But we're going to take a look at the secrets. And in this way, when I say secrets, I don't mean things that are disclosed and then I'm about to reveal those things. But I'm talking about more like um, tips or things that you didn't know about that maybe were secret to you 
And after today, they won't be. Amen. So what are the secrets of that place? We'll explore some today by looking at Psalm 27, verses 4 through 14, verse by verse. So we're just going to walk through the scripture. We're going to read it, pick it apart a bit. I'm going to give you some points, and then we can get on with the balance of this day and the days ahead with renewed understanding of the secret place and its secrets. All right. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. And when we get there, we're going to start at verse 4. And it says this, one thing, this is David speaking, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help. Cast me not far off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. And as is often said, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word, which is already blessed. Amen. All right. Amen. So let's go back to the beginning of this right at the top. And if you're the smart Bible students that I think you are today, you already have caught on to some things after our intro here, diving into the context of today's message. So it starts off with David saying, one thing I have asked of the Lord. This is personal and specific to David. When he said, I asked, he didn't say you should ask or we should ask or the church should ask. He's, he's just saying, look, this is what I've asked. So your secret place is about what goes on between you and God. You know, one of the questions that I wrote down when I was studying this passage is, what have I been asking for? One thing connotes priority. Of all the things that David could be asking for, he's asking for this because he knows anything else could he could possibly need or want can be accomplished through this one thing. So by choosing the one thing, he's choosing everything. Does that remind you of any scripture? Does any scripture come to mind? What? Which one? Yes, amen. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God is what the King James says. So the priority here is that if I, and that goes on to say, seek first the kingdom and all these things, and that, that passage is talking about um, your needs, having your needs met, food, clothing, um, what you'll drink. 
you know, don't pray for the things, seek the kingdom and the things will be added. So David is already at this point of revelation when he's saying, look, I'm going to seek this one thing. Then he goes on and says to dwell in your house all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. And I'm like, David, that is not one thing, but it's all encapsulated in the one thing to seek after him, to dwell, to, to dwell in his house is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So let's break all of that down. When we talk about the house of the Lord, tell me what you think about that. And I apologize if this becomes a Bible study, but it's still Sunday morning. I can't help it. The teacher showed up today. Is that all right? All right. Okay, so when we think about the house of the Lord, what in the world is that? His presence. Amen. Yes. And. Possibly, but not actually. He said the sanctuary. So who is the house of the Lord? Maybe that'll bring everybody, jog everybody's memory. Who's the house or the temple of the Holy Ghost? Who, who, where does God live? Yes, God lives in us. So if we go to Acts 7, verses 45 through 48, I want to show you something there. This is when Stephen was about to get stoned, and so he knew there was nothing he could do to get out of the pickle he was in. He wasn't afraid. He was just letting it all out. <laughs> and he told them about themselves, and he cited a scripture. Let's go there for a moment. It's Acts 7, verses 45 through 48. And then right after that, we're going to go to Isaiah 66. It says this. He says, so it was until the day of David, the, excuse me, until the days of David, who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Solomon was David's son. Verse 48. Yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Which prophet? Isaiah. So if we go to Isaiah 66, it says this in verse 1. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? Verse two, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So the Lord is looking to live in us. There's no house that we could build. I mean, well, he's in this place, right? But it isn't about housing God in a building. God lives in, and dwells in us. So the, the, the unique thing about this for me is that here is David seeking to dwell in the house of the Lord. And yet on this side of the cross, the Lord is dwelling in this house. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Amen. Isn't that good news? So all the days of your life, if you are a believer, if you name Christ, the Lord is dwelling in you. He's made his home in you. So when David talks about gazing, we're back to verse four of Psalm 27. When he talks about gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, what I found interesting there is that that word gaze is actually like to be in a trance, to be so overcome and into like the, the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of his holiness. So it's like he's, I don't want to say in a trance, because it sounds so weird, but and I think it's because, you know, the other versions of that out there outside of Christianity make it kind of weird but 
It's to be so transfixed and so focused on God and so in awe of him. It's not just looking at him. Because what does that mean to gaze? One, um, so this translation says gaze. Um, other translations say behold. So to behold the beauty of the Lord is to like be in awestruck wonder of him. It's not just looking at the air. It's being so in to who God is and in tune with his word and with understanding and clarity of who he is in our lives that you just begin to be like, wow, God, you're amazing. I don't know about you, but that's happened for me in my life. That's happened for me because before Christ, I was a mess. And, as, and every day with him is sweeter. And I learned more and more and more in these, what, gosh, 25 years that I've been a believer. That I have experienced the gaze, but not nearly enough. Amen. And then we move on. And then we're just at verse four to inquire in his temple. Some translations, that word inquire is meditate. So if we're looking at what David is asking of the Lord, he's saying that I will dwell in you, that I'll be in you, that I'll abide in you, that I'll be filled with wonder and awe and gaze upon your beauty, be in a trance almost. Even This, this could even be an open vision of the goodness of God. For some people, it depends on where you are in your relationship with God, right? And to meditate, to meditate, and you know that you are the temple. So meditation, and so basically there's this focus. What David is asking for is this, this life in, Christ, in God where he's focused on him and that he's living in him and for him, just consumed. So it goes on to verse 5 and it says this. Uh, oh, wait, 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 before we go, I just want to say uh, reference, scriptural references for us being God's house, Hebrews 3, 6. If you're taking notes and first Corinthians 6, 19, where it says, you know, don't do you not know you're the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know, and if and if you can't remember the scriptures, just always remember that Kirk Franklin said we're God's property. Amen. All right. OK. All right. So verse five, he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. Hmm. We're hidden in the shelter of Christ. He's our strong tower. Scripture says the righteous run in and are saved. So we're hidden in the day of trouble. And then it says, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. This word tent actually literally means secret place. So here David is discussing being hidden and concealed, referring to God's protection as being in the secret place, in the, as being a benefit of being in relationship with him. Our prayers, our prayer life is our shelter. The blood covers us. And the secret place of the most high God is able to keep us safe. Amen. Amen. So then next line says he will lift me high upon a rock. Anybody want to just, just first guess. What's the rock? Amen. Amen. For us, the rock is Jesus. So I find this very interesting because like, so wait, but before we go there, has anybody ever played hide and seek as an adult? As an adult, right? Let me show hands. Hide and seek with your kids or somebody else's kids as an adult. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do you have to do to hide? What do you have to do to hide? What, some, what are some of the things? What do you have to do to hide? Yeah, what do you have to do? Yes, you especially. Huh? If you don't have long curtains, what you got to do? 
blend in. Okay, oh, you're so close. Come on, uh, it's right there. Okay, um, okay, I'm gonna help you out. So we know that, you know, you gotta, come on, come on. You gotta get low. Hey, but that's what I'm saying. That's why I was like, yeah, I was waiting for you to say, I gotta, I gotta crouch down. You gotta get low. You, to hide, you gotta get, you have to humble yourself to be hidden. You got to crouch down. You got to listen. When you're playing hide and seek, I don't know about with your kids, but with my kids, like if I'm conspiring with Decky and I don't want to be found by Destin, I got to do whatever Decky tells me to do so that I'm not seen or heard. I got to get low. And at that point, you know, the dynamic has changed and I'm not, I'm no longer mommy, but I'm trying to hide and win this game. And so I got to do what this little one says. I got to get low and I got to listen to him. I, got, I can't make a sound. To be hidden and to be safe is to, is to do what the authority figure in that moment is telling you to do. So being hidden is a place of humility because your posture is you got to get low. Thank you, woman of God. So then he goes right back and says, but you will lift me high upon a rock. So you go from being hidden in this low place to being exalted on the solid ground. Of, the, of, of your faith, your confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that just jumped out at me so, like, I mean, it, I was like, oh, it was blessing me. It was blessing me when I was preparing this. So if our prayers are our shelter, if the, if the secret place in the day of trouble is to run into God, to run into his name, to be concealed under the cover of his secret place, under the shadow of his wing, and then it's there that we are exalted upon the rock. And we know that in Scripture... It, we, uh, it says that we can go there. I hope I have it written down. But if that God gives that, that God exalts the humble. God exalts the humble. So being hidden also connotes humility. Pride likes to be seen. Pride says, see me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at me. I'm starting. I'm, oh, gosh, this mic. I'm posing. I'm here to be seen. Humility is let me hide. No one has to know. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to be doing right here. I'm going to take my place and be covered. Humility can hide without issues. So, and when we are humble, then he exalts us and he lifts us upon the rock. Now we're going to verse six. Then he said, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Protection protection. From here, we are lifted up with David in Christ above our enemies. Notice here it says that the enemies are all around. Many times we're asking and expecting for deliverance to be, to be totally separated or getting away from our enemies. But God is so powerful and he's so gracious to us that he lifts us up. He gives us what we need to be able to sustain in the middle of enemies, in the middle of the enemy. And that's good news today because we shouldn't look to always flee. Sometimes we should look to stand and be lifted up. The enemies might not go away, but you are exalted. How else would God prepare a table before your enemies if you are running, always on the run, never wanting to be, you know, to confront them or be around them, right? And we know that our major enemy is, of course, the devil, the enemy of, of the Lord. But in terms of those who have postured themselves, positioned themselves to be our enemies, you know, deliverance is not always going to look like we get away. 
Sometimes deliverance is no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on, I'm standing and I'm lifting up, I'm preserved, and the Lord is with me. That's what happens because of the secret place. You can't do things like, you can't make a stand like that in your own strength. You know, I never forget there was a situation that was going on at work with a former, um, can't say too much, a former person I worked with. I put it that way. And, you know, I just couldn't get around it. You know, it, it was just there. It was persistent. And it wasn't going to change. And they weren't going to move. So I went to my secret place. God moved me. And now he eventually moved them because you can't keep messing with me. I'm a child of God. God going to get you. But <laughs> you, <laughs> I, I'm saying that facetiously, but it is true. It's not, I'm not, I'm never praying God get them, but it just so happens that way. But it doesn't happen immediately. And there comes a point where they're not going to leave. I'm not going to leave. I have to stand and maintain. The only place you can get that strength from is the secret place. Okay, so now we're at, we're going to get through this, I promise. So we're still in verse 6. It says, okay, so my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent, again, in his secret place, sacrifices with shouts of joy. Now, some people would say, oh, well, you know, yes, by, sac by sacrifice of praise. Nope, that's not what they're saying. Sacrifices, my gift, my whatever your sacrifice is, with a shout of joy. I'm giving cheerfully because God loves a cheerful giver. I am giving. I'm in the secret place. One of the secrets of the secret place is generosity. We are not wired to want to give our money away to something, especially in the early days of our faith, that we cannot see or cannot tangibly always know where it's going. It takes secret place conversion and secret place interaction for your faith to be built up and for your maturity to get to a place where you understand what giving is and the benefits of it. So you learn one of the secrets of the secret place is generosity. And then you're doing it cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, right? And then it says, I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So another secret of the secret place is praise and worship. Now, I'm going to stop right here before I go back, um, go to verse 7, because I didn't really share overtly what the secrets are. I've just been breezing through these, <laughs> these verses. But what we see here is that the secrets of the secret place so far are protection, safety, humility, exaltation, and meditation. And now we get to... Oh, a deliverance, generosity, and praise and worship. The secret place is where you really learn to worship God. Now, hear me now. I know, like, well, how can you learn to do that? You know, don't you have to go to church and listen to a worship leader or look at a videotape and worship along with that and learn how to worship? No, it should be happening. Your response to God and his love, your love, you respond to God's love how you respond to God's love. That happens genuinely in the secret place. That's your business. That's you, the way that you deal with God. So, you know, and, you know, I am, I'm a wild worshiper. That's why I don't want to hug anybody after service. I, I do get wild. 
But I'm going to tell you, I get wilder on my own. I can't believe I'm bringing y'all into my secret place. That's my business. But I am just, that's the way that I am. And that's individual to me. That's my personality. That's my expression. That's my genuine expression. So, you know, there's a time to be quiet before the Lord. And I love those times. But there is a time where I'm just jubilant and I am rejoicing. And that's just, that's the way that we do it, me and God, in the secret place. The way that you respond to the Lord may be different, but it should be happening. Praise and worship. When you encounter the goodness of the Lord, you should be speaking well of him while it's you and him one-on-one. It's just the outflow of a relationship. Again, I hate to... I hate to boil it down to what a relationship is between you know, um, people, or especially a romantic relationship, but hey, it's a good analogy because people understand it. You know, how annoying is it? I, I, don't, I don't know if the men would feel this way, but definitely the ladies would. If you were married to someone or dating someone who is always talking about you on social media, but when they're in the room with you, they have nothing to say to you. Or when you're at the, when they're taking you out on a date, it's just quiet and they're, you know, and you hear the chatter of everyone around you and then you, y'all just eating, hearing each other chewing. There's no conversation. There's no conversation. But then when you get on social media, oh, okay, come on, take a picture with me. No, I'm not taking a picture with you because you're not even talking to me when nobody's watching. That is eye service for everyone else. No, you're not going to put my pretty face on your profile if you're not talking to me one-on-one. And that's kind of how it is, like, Oh gosh, I don't even know how we got there, but that, but that's kind of like that. That's how it is. Sometimes, like you want it to be genuine, you know. Ideally, you know the outflow of that one-on-one time you have with someone you're in relationship with, it just bleeds over into everything you do, and that's what the that's what's captured for everyone else to see. But sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes the motivation is let's. I want other people to see it because that affirms it. And Christian maturity is getting to a point where it doesn't take everybody else to approve of what's happening between you and God. It's where you understand that this time that I have with him to read my word, to pray, to really get to know him, it's, it's a benefit to me and him. It's what, ha- it's what is happening between us. And if I get something that is to share for everybody else with a friend, maybe in conversation, or I'm going to leave social media alone <laughs> or put it on social media then that's fine. But if it's authentic, it's also happening in that private space, in that secret place. Amen? Okay, so verse 7. When I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. One of the secrets of the secret place is that it's not just you talking. We get answers. By the grace of God. Verse 8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, Lord, your face I do seek. So in verse 8, we see that in the secret place, your heart speaks to God. Your heart responds to God in the secret place. We also see in this verse that one of the secrets of the secret place is obedience. God is saying, Seek my face. And the heart is responding, yes, Lord, seek your face. I do. I'll do that. I am. I'm doing that. Verse 9, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Mercy is in the secret place. That's a secret of the secret place. 
I love what verse 10 says, for my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. There's acceptance in the secret place. If you can get yourself to a place where you're, you are developing that time, that, that discipline of spending time with God on the regular, you will find that even if you're being rejected by others or outwardly, you're experiencing rejection, you can get filled up with the acceptance and the mercy of God to the point where you're like Teflon when it comes to other people and, and, and rejection and things. I remember I went through, I, um, I have not been acquainted a lot with rejection up to a certain point in my life. I was like the golden child. Anything I wanted, I could get it. It came to me. I had this law of attraction thing working for me. I was always favored. And so it really hit me hard in life when I started getting no's, when I wasn't the special one anymore. And hear what I'm saying, because, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked, with acknowledging that you have favor. And, you know, not that you're taking it for granted, but expecting it because that's been the way it has been. God, you know, I'm spoiled. I'm cute. I get what I want. And I'm not even like that. It's not even me trying to, you know, I'm not working for it. Just things come to me and happen to me. and I'm blessed. And all of a sudden, ooh, this is a dry season. I'm not used to this. And it was really hard. I'll never forget. I hope I don't cry. I was in Atlanta and I was, um, I had been um, encouraged to try out for some show. It was not American Idol. It was another, ver like a gospel version of it, right? And I had already won a competition like that. So this producer said, you come, you come and do this program or whatever. And so even though I holler and I have a certain style of singing, I'm not necessarily a gospel singer. And I remember being like seeing this panel of people. Some of them I recognized because I had sung with them before, had interacted with them professionally on another level, you know, because here I am trying to work up the ranks of, you know, this singing career. This was like 20 years ago. And all of a sudden, they were just like crushing me with all of this horrible feedback. And I have like, I have the opposite of body dysmorphia. I believe I look good all the time. It's a problem. Because then I see pictures and I realize I don't look as good as I thought. The same thing. I think I sound amazing sometimes. And then when I listen back, I'm like, oh, no, y'all didn't tell me I sounded like that. So at this point in my life, I had accepted that even if it doesn't sound good to me, it sounds good to other people and I'm favored by God. And in, within a few moments, every insecurity I ever had about myself became real again and I could not shake it. And I cried like a baby the rest of that weekend. I am convinced that my behavior that week probably changed some things in the trajectory of my music career because it was not professional, but I just could not recover from that blow. And I said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I remember just standing, a lot of people trying to talk to me. And, I'm like, and I could not get it together. So that was a low point for me. And what I found is that in time with the Father, that thing got off of me. I got cleansed. I began to get reaffirmed. No, daughter, you, you are all that in me. I made you to be this. You are called to do that. You are good at it. Everything isn't for everybody. Sometimes people just can't receive it. That doesn't mean you don't have it. Shake the dust off of your feet. I'm saying it quickly. It, didn't, it took months. It took months to recover, but I was, I was vigilant in my pursuit of God. God. Because I could not understand how 
so quickly I had been cut down to size. I had never had a crisis like that in my life to that point. But it was that time with God that convinced me. And ever since I got it and I got healed from that, I don't care what happens. Oh, you don't like me? You don't receive me? You don't like, you don't think, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not for you. Because in my face-to-face -face time with the Father, the download I get is that I am her. I am this. I am called. I am chosen. And first and foremost, I am redeemed. You don't have to like me. God likes me. God approves. God anointed me. God chose me. God opens doors for me. This is just the one that's been closed to me. It's okay. Others will open. That's my testimony. So if you are experiencing or have experienced rejection, seek what was broken or what was lost in the secret place. I promise you, you'll find it. I'm a witness. So mercy waits for you in the secret place. Acceptance, healing is in the secret place. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Verse 12, give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. There's a couple of things going on here. So on that same vein, when you think about rejection, the other side is when you are under scrutiny. You ever been in a situation where people are just talking about you for no reason? They just scandalizing your name for no reason. They're just jealous they're, and they're just envious and they're looking for a, a crack and they find, they think they find something and all of a sudden they're just, you know. We know that David had a thing about focusing on his enemies, but he was pursued a lot by them. So I understand that. I'm not hating on David. Um, I love what PD posted recently, though. He, he reposted. Um, some man said, hey, you know, we need to stop talking about haters so much in the pulpit. And while that's true, the enemy is real. Enemies are real. People present themselves as enemies in your own family, even among your friends. At some point, you have even friendly fire from an enemy who you thought was a friend. Or, you know, just for people just generally who just don't like you, who have just decided you're not for them and they're looking, you know, for you to fall or fail. But it's really hurtful and you feel really powerless. It's one thing if what they're saying or thinking is true. But it's another when it's totally false and you feel like, man, here I am being attacked and these false witnesses are rising against me. They, they intend harm to me. They're trying to damage my reputation. They're talking about me. They're speaking ill of me. They're misinterpreting everything that I'm trying to do or say. I can't win. I'm going to tell you about the secret place. The secret of the secret place is that you can get healed even from all of that. It can't. It. it it becomes null, of null effect to you because in the secret place, not only are you intimate with God and you get to know who he is, in the secret place, you get to know who you really are. And then you are not taken, you know, you, um, you know for a turn or caught off guard when people start saying things about you. It just bounces off because you know it's not true. It can't touch you. You know, that weapon that formed just goes right back. Okay, you know, <laughs> I try not to bring too much popular culture into the pulpit. Psych. Okay, but there's this, there's this, there's this trend on TikTok, and I, oh Lord, help me, I love it. It's like that's a them problem. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Problem. That's nobody got it. Oh gosh, y'all don't do TikTok. Okay, that's all right. So there's a, there's, there's a. So you know there are a lot of people who do a lot of things on TikTok, and they have like little characters or whatever. So there's this guy. I haven't figured out 
if he's doing a character if that's really who he is. I think it's really who he is, Lord. But anyway, the Lord knows. But he he does this voice. He has this braid wig on. And he comes on and he, he does these like phone chats. And he's like kind of just giving a word of encouragement to his audience. And then he'll always end everything with, okay, bye. I love you, bye. But he had he said something one time. He said, that's a them problem. It ain't got nothing to do with you. And then they put it to a beat, as they often do. And so now there's a song out there. Have you heard of Elijah? That's a them problem. That's a them problem. That's a them problem. It ain't got nothing to do with you. That's a them problem. That's a them, that's a them problem. You get the revelation that that is about them and their insecurities or their need and love for drama has nothing to do with you. If you get distracted by it, then you can't go on and fulfill purpose and do what God called you to do. But time spent in the secret place builds that type of resiliency so that you're free from the judgment and the opinions of others. There is, so I've talked a lot about doing things for eye service, you know, to put yourself in a positive light, right? But there, you know, and how, you know, that is, the authenticity is what happens in the secret place. But the same way where maybe you're getting negative attention, there's a negative gaze upon you. You are, whatever it is, the secret place is a place where you can understand who God is, who you are. You don't have to be worried or led astray by the distraction of what other people are thinking about you, the opinions of men. You don't desire them to think one way or the other. You're so committed and focused on God and so persuaded about what he's saying about you that those things don't matter. Verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look. This next secret, it'll blow, it might blow you away, blew me away. The secret place is heaven on earth. We can look or we can, another explanation, I mean, another, um, like, we can look or behold the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to see the beauty of the Lord. And the place where we have that sight, that insight into who God is, is the secret place, that one-on-one -on -one fellowship. We get glimpses of glory when we're in the congregation and, you know, maybe we'll have a guest speaker here or we'll have like some awesome, you know, prayer that's gone forth and, you know, but those are just glimpses because the real stuff is happening one-on-one. -on -one. It, you're missing out if it's not happening one-on-one. -on -one. Do you have to fall out at home? No, although some might, but that's your business. Again, it's your secret place. But it, what it is is that the understanding, the revelation of who God is, that face-to-face, -face, the most beautiful moments are meant for your one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Corporate, the time that we come together, it's important, but it's different. Verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. How do we wait on the Lord? How do we wait on the Lord? Uh-huh. With great expectation. Okay. So that's that's the that's the attribute or the position we should take. But what actually are we doing when we wait on the Lord? Trusting. We're trusting the Lord. Okay. No, but what is the act? What, what is an action? 
pray. When we wait on the Lord, we're praying. What else are we doing when we wait on the Lord? Hey, that's it. We wait on the Lord by praying and fasting. That's biblical waiting. You're waiting to eat. You're waiting to hear from God. You're waiting for him to turn it. If we think about 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal the land. We wait for him to hear and act. We turn over our plates because the scriptures say some things only come out by what? Prayer and fasting. Fasting without prayer, as PD often says, is a diet. It's both of them together. You can't have one without the other. That is biblically waiting on God. Like saying, I am not going to move from this place until something changes, something happens. That's biblical waiting. That's why it takes strength. That's why it takes courage. Just to wait. I mean, it's not like you're just posting up and just wait. Wait on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm still waiting. It's not just this passive way of killing time, but it's actively doing something to wait. I am stopping everything to hear from you. I don't want to hear anything else because I might miss you. So I'm turning off the TV. I'm turning off the internet. I'm turning off my phone. No one can reach me right now unless it's an emergency. I'm going in my room and I'm shutting the door. I will not come out of here until I hear from you. That's waiting on the Lord. So I also want to pull up Isaiah 40. I'm up here typing this like I can't just go to it in my Bible. So when you see that passage, first, before we go to Isaiah 40, when we go back to 14, verse 14 of Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage, wait for the Lord. Doesn't it remind you of that scripture, they that wait upon, so that's why we're going to go there. And then I'm going to reveal this last secret that I have to share today of the secret place. Isaiah 40, verse 29, English Standard Version says this. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exalted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The last secret I have to share with you from the secret place is power. There's power in the secret place. You get strength when you're waiting. I love what Isaiah 40 says because it also talks about that wait. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait to hear from God, they that turn over their plate, they that pray fervently without ceasing, they, the Lord will renew them in strength. Those will mount up with wings like eagles. Hallelujah. So I just have a few application points and then we are going to be dismissed.
So there was a, there were a lot of secrets there. We talked about, and I'm not going in any particular order. I'm trying to go from the top here, but generosity, protection, humility, meditation, exaltation, deliverance, praise and worship, answers, guidance, the secret places where your heart speaks to God, obedience, mercy, heaven on earth, power. Those are some of some secrets. It's not an exhaustive list. But I am willing to wager, if I were a betting woman, that when you thought about your secret place today, you didn't think about all of those things. So the secret is out. Application number one, remember, your secret is your secret. David said, I have asked. It's personal. The condition. The only person on earth who knows for sure what your relationship with God is like and how good it is, is you. And God, of course, but the only person on earth is you. The only person who knows the condition of your relationship with God is you. Of course, God knows. He knows everything. But the only person on earth who really knows the condition of your relationship with God is you. So either you have relationship problems or you are relationship goals. That's your assessment to make, but it's your secret. It's not up for anybody else to judge you on or debate you on. It's yours. It's your relationship. What you're doing with it is your business. No one else knows the substance of your relationship with God except you. No one knows what your relationship really is. Relationships vary from person to person because the way you relate to someone is just as unique as who you are as an individual. Everyone doesn't have the same relationship with their relatives. There's some people who are really close with their moms and some people who are not. There's some people who have really close friends and there's some people who are just, you know, they go through life and they're like, you know, I'm, you know I, I have friends, but I, you know, I'm solo. I don't have to be with anybody. Everybody's different. Relationships, and I'm talking about human relationships right now. Relationships depend on who you are and the person you're in relationship with. So, the thing that is the same for all of us is that we are all in our individual relationships with the same God. He doesn't change. He's the same no matter who we are from person to person. God is perfect and never changes. So that is the one relationship in your life that you actually are who you are for real. Whether or not you're actively engaging with God or not. Who you are authentically is reflected in the condition and the substance of your relationship with God. Who you are authentically is reflected in the relationship you have with God. When we submit to him, when we commune with him, he will reveal to us who we really are. And he reveals to us who he has always been. When we submit to him and commune with him, he will show us who we really are and he reveals to us who he's always been. So that's the first application. Your secret is your secret. And I got three more and then we're done. Second application, pray. Get to know God through his word and intimate prayer with him. That word know, to, to learn to come to know, to get a knowledge of, perceive, to feel, to become known, to be intimate. 
for okay, there are no kids who would understand. Sexual intercourse is one of the no, we're not having no, don't you don't you go nowhere saying I said do that. No, no, that's no, no. What I'm saying is that's the meaning of the word, okay? Just so we're clear. I'm sorry. Not trying, yeah, I probably never mind. This is my notes. That's what that's what the strong says. It says to learn, to know, to understand sexual intercourse. That's what the word means itself. Okay? To become acquainted with, to know. The key is not about the sexual part, but it's more about the intimacy. Get to know God through prayer. The word is gnosko. To know God. Number three, fast. Fasting is the best way to humble ourselves. Fasting helps us seek God's face in secret. See, we need to go to Matthew 6 really quickly. Matthew 6. I promise you we're going to close soon. But what I want you to see in Matthew 6 is that this whole passage is about what we need to be doing in secret and not for the gaze of others. So it talks about giving to the poor. You do that in secret. It talks about the Lord, the, how to pray. When you pray, you're supposed to do that in secret. Now, we're not talking about corporate prayer. We're talking about prayer that is in your secret place prayer, prayers that are reserved for your one-on-one -on -one time with God. Sometimes misguided people, they're still good people, but they are wrong when they do this. They're trying to have public prayer. I mean, they're trying to have private prayer in public. And so what, what does that look like, Courtney? People, don't, you know, people know better than that. Yes, they do, but sometimes they don't. For instance, you ever seen somebody just like, and they'll tell you too. And I know, look, I'm guilty. I probably done it once or twice a day in my life. But you know, you're like, oh, I'm just praying. Oh, I'm praying in tongues. Or I've been praying. I, and you know, there's some things like even up, at, you know, across the pulpit or when we're sharing like this, we do as uh, a demonstration, as an illustration, right, of things that we can do. But sometimes people say, yeah, I'm, I'm praying. Oh, I prayed for nine hours today. And I'm like, that's nobody's business. Nobody needs to know that. Or you see the people who probably need some type of therapy on the corners praying. Like just out, you know, if you go, you walk Philadelphia or in the city, New York, you're going to see people who are doing all kinds of things. You know, I'm on those subways sometimes in New York or whatever, and people are praying, they're, you know, busking, they're doing all kinds of things. That is not the reasonable way to pray when you're pray like it, it there's just a time and a place there's corporate prayer when we all pray together there's even sometimes in during corporate prayer where we'll pray individually but we're all we all have the same like prayer directives and that's okay too but i'm talking about that when you are you're praying like, let's go to the scripture here verse five when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. So it's not so much the praying, it's the intention and, and the motives. If you're praying to be seen by others. So I want to make that clear. That is the biggest differentiator. But when you pray, if you really mean it, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in secret. One other way we can look at that, your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So we want to make sure that we pray. That we take the time to develop intimate one-on-one -on -one prayer, individual prayer, as a part 
of this application of, you know, having the best secret place ever. Okay. And then the third one is, oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. I said fast. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go back to Matthew six. I got caught up in prayer. What I wanted to get was to the fasting part. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. We're not supposed to do that, saints. I know it's not like, especially if you're not used to fasting, especially if you're not at a place where you really understand it and appreciate it for what it is. Fasting can be hard, but get your chapstick. Come on, somebody. Wash your face. Put on a cute dress. No one needs to know what's happening. I will submit to you today that sometimes if you've noticed that fasting hasn't really benefited you, it might be because you haven't taken the measures to do it in secret. Sometimes you actually need to hide from yourself because you don't want to do it. And even if no one else is seeing you, oh my God, I don't want to do this. I hate this. You're seeing it. What's it say? It's your posture. Amen, brother. It's your posture. When you fast, verse 17, anoint your head and wash your face. Anoint your head in 2022 means get that gel shingle. Get the moisturizer. Shave. Braid it up. Look cute for the glory of God so that no one knows that inside something is going on. Verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And we've already read that. Okay. So, and the last one is worship, worship. So quick recap, and then we'll close. Your secret is your, your secret. Remember your secret is your secret. Number two, pray fast for worship, worship. It's how you honor God as a result of your secret place encounters, the posture during those times where you're not in the direct presence of God, you should be worshiping him in your conduct, in your speech, the way that you relate to your brothers and sisters, the way that you, in everything you do, acknowledge him. That's worship. That's your reasonable worship, presenting your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's worship. That's worship. Even if we go to Matthew 6 and we look at verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And it goes on. Worship is ascribing honor. It's worth-ship. God is our treasure. Our treasures are in heaven. Our worship is about the value of our relationship with Father God. It's about esteeming him because of his immeasurable value. Worship is more than a song. It's more than a portion of the service. It's more than the entire service. It's your life lived in light of 
the revelations you glean from the secret place. When we talk about coming to church, you remember, so the churches that I went to, I never attended a church like this growing up on the two occasions I went before the age of 18. Um, it was like a you know church building with a steeple. Um, actually, it was more than twice. Let's see. I can count on one hand, though, the times I was in church before the, the age of 18 years old. Um, twice, I was a flower girl in a wedding. And then once I went to vacation Bible school one night with my cousin. And then the fourth time I went with my best friend, she went to Gill Creek Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina, where the deacons would sing at the drop of a hat, a cappella. You just get a... I said, oh, that's nice. I've never seen that before. But in all of the churches, those four churches that I had the occasion to visit four times over an 18-year period, each of them said, enter to worship, depart to serve. So you came into this place, you got fueled up. And I don't know if that's a scripture or not, but I saw it at all these churches. I guess, I don't know if it's a Baptist thing or whatever. You come into this place, you get what you need, and then you go out and you have what you, you have something to run off of, to do, to run on and be good, be a good Christian soldier until the next time. Likewise, the secret place is a place of strength for you to get what you need and from the outflow of that, live your individual life as a Christian. So worship is essential. So we've said that there are secrets to the secret place and it was this long list, longer than I actually thought it was. Listen back, get your notes. Um, and then we said that the application was to remember that your secret is your secret that you are to pray, fast, and worship to enjoy the secrets of the secret place. And in closing, I just want to say this. We're doing this in kind of reverse, but I want to define secret. A secret is confidential. It's privileged information. It's classified. If you think about classified information, not just anyone can have access to everything. Secrets for many are a matter of safety and protection. Classified information in the wrong hands can be deadly. But in the right hands, when reserved for the right people and the right moments, when it is handled with care, what is classified and confidential is powerful, life-changing, and unlike anything else, anywhere else. So I encourage, you, I encourage you not to treat your relationship with God like something to show off for the sake of others. Don't find yourself putting God on the public end, on the end of public affection, PDA, and there's no private interaction going on. You don't want to do that to yourself, and you don't want to handle your relationship with God that way. Likewise, well, you might say, well, I ain't putting nothing out there in public either. Well, don't handle your, don't mishandle your relationship with God either, whether others can see or not. Just do the best that you can with this time that you have. There is a such thing as rewards in heaven, and PD might preach on that another time. I'm not going to go into it, but you can be saved and just be saved. And you can live this life and be a Christian and make it in. And you don't ever have to have this rich one-on-one -on -one time with God if that's not your desire. But you are missing out on so much. 
if you allow that to be, you know, the decision that you make. But again, it's your secret and it's your business. What I will say is this. Don't pay tribute on social media to someone you don't honor in person. That's God or anyone. The same God. The same with God and his secrets and your secrets. Some things are meant just for him. Live there, abide there, and become as, and become as the psalmist Fanny Crosby wrote, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we are so honored by your presence here today. Thank you for speaking through these scriptures. Thank you for speaking through the message. Lord, even more so, we desire for you to speak to us. And even more than that, we desire to carve out time where we can speak and commune and hear from you. Lord, let the secrets of the secret place be secrets no more. Let them be revealed to us, not just in this sermon today, but as we pursue you and seek your face every day in our personal relationships with you. May we never forget or neglect the secret place. May we always remember you, what you've done, who you are, and who you created us to be. We thank you for allowing us an opportunity to have a personal revival and a personal refreshing, making you the, truly the Lord of our lives and making you the king of our secret place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.